Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Father, once again, we ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit in all of us, Lord, to give us the clarity of your message. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord God, and open our minds, Lord, to whatever it is that you are telling us. Father, I pray that you speak through me once again, Lord. I pray that you override my preparations, that you and you alone speak to your people once again. Father, I pray, Lord, for that soul that still needs to surrender to you as his Lord, to accept you as his Lord, Lord. Father, I pray that this will be the evening that he or she will surrender. And Father, I pray for restoration for those who are broken. I pray, Father, for conviction for those who are still straying away from you. I pray that they will humble themselves tonight and yield to your word. Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to again worship you and praise you at this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, good evening. Okay, so um, praise God that you are all here. I know we all probably have the sniffles or something in our throats because of the smoke that's been uh, hovering around the city. I uh, hope you did join most of us who prayed for those people who are suffering from that fire from, I think, from Redding, California. Um, so tonight we will be, do you need a Bible there, Renee, or you need a program? Okay. Tonight I titled our message, Living in God's Will. We're going to be closing our study in uh, 2 Corinthians tonight. Calm down, all right? I know you're all excited, like, oh, finally he's going to get off from this letter. This is such a very heavy and challenging letter, isn't it? But there is a lot of, we, there was a lot of doctrines that we picked up from it. Hopefully you, uh, I picked up at least some, <laughs> some of it. Hopefully you did too. So I titled our message tonight, Living in God's Will. From Monday to Saturday, if you are a believer, from Monday to through Saturday, the world dictates how you should live your life, correct? You have to say yes, because it does, right? It does, because who, who in this room does not watch TV? I want to see your hand. Nobody. Everybody watches TV. And the TV is programmed. It's programmed for us to live according to the world's standards. How, you say? advertisements the tv was invented tv was invented to condition america in order for us to spend the country gathered all this the smart people in in the country before the scientists so that before the after the depression they wanted to find out how can we make people spend so that this thing will not happen again and all those smart people came up with the television the television and then they started selling advertisements so now you're you're watching you're probably watching a game and mind you those games are, are being paid by the advertise, advertisers that's why they can afford to pay a basketball player 30 million dollars not for saving the world but just for bouncing the ball all right and shooting it putting it in the hoop $30 million for one year, right? Imagine that. Some people made that. But now, 
So tonight, since you're here at church and there's no advertisements here, we're just here to study God's word. And the point of coming to church, other than the fellowship with our other believers, is that we will see how God wants us to live our lives. Amen? Amen. Yes. So tonight we're going to be doing that. Living in God's will. Let's start with this. The question is, to whom are you living for? To whom are you living for? You need to ask yourself this. To whom am I living for? To whom am I spending my life for? My precious time. Because once time is spent, it's spent, right? You can't remake it. I'm going to be 41 this year. I wish I was only 27. <laughs> But you know, that's one thing that you, you spend and you never get back, right? What goes up and never goes down? It's our age, correct? It's our age. It never goes down. It keeps going. So the question should always be for us to be smart. And the proverb says this, right? Teach us to number our days. So it, the question should also go, to whom are you living for? To whom am I living for? To whom did I spend most of my week for? And here we see Paul in his letter to the Philippian church where he says, for me... For Paul, to live is Christ. For him, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Because he knows if he dies, he goes to heaven. He'll be with Jesus. And he's seen it. He's seen a part of it. He was given a glimpse of heaven. And for him, that's gaining. That's winning for him. And for him to continue to live his life here on this earth is for Jesus Christ. To win people for Christ, to exalt the Christians, to exhort the Christians, to teach Christians. That was his life. That was Paul's life. So the question for us is, are we being the same? Because Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So believers, we're just not supposed to be wearing that shirt or that plate number in our cars or that sticker on our wall. Or that nice thing that you have, that mural that you have at your house. Christianity does not stop there. Christianity is how we live our lives. How do we spend our lives? And we've seen Paul from his letter from the second to the second, first and second Corinthians. He has all been, because of his love relationship for the Lord, he loves. In return, he, he cannot help it but love the Corinthian church no matter how hard-headed they were. His point, his, his life was all about them. It was for the believers at that time to continue to teach them, to tell them that they were wrong, even though it was hard for him. Because it, it is easier not to say anything and not be in an argument, correct? As a pastor, I find that so much easier. Because I'd rather be liked than not liked. Because I find it that if I tell somebody that they're doing something wrong, that it's not according to God's will, they find me judgmental. They find me close-minded. They find me old school. And you know what? I might be old school. <laughs> I might be close-minded. But when I tell you about the Lord, I believe that I, that I am speaking for God for you. But you know what? I'd really rather not be in, our, in an argument with you. But because of my love relationship for the Lord and my love for you in return, I will tell you even if it hurts. And that's been Paul's life. For him to live is Christ. This is our introduction. Okay? So we're going to see 
That's about 20 minutes already? So this is for me to live with Christ. The challenge for all believers. In, in this church, what do we say? To know Christ, to become like Him, and to make Him known. For most of us, we stop knowing Christ. You know what? If you're knowing Christ, you cannot help but to become like Him. If you're truly trying to know Christ, you cannot help but to become like Him. Because as you read the Scriptures, as you see what He has done, as you see His love for you, you cannot help it but to become like Him. The one thing is you stop. You just like the Savior part of Him. You don't like the Lord part of Jesus. So the byproduct of our love relationship with the Lord, as we continue to know Him, we become like Him and we live for Him. We live for Him. That's the byproduct of your relationship with the Lord. So tonight we're going to see, if we're going to live for God, we should know what His will is, correct? Number one, we have to know what is God's will for me. And how do we know that? We know it by the truth. The truth that is spoken and written in the book that is, this book is, an ins is the inspired Word of God. Amen? And everything in it is the truth. Do we agree? And this is how we learn. And you see here in 2 Corinthians 13, 8, now we're going to start. First point is live for God's will. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, saying that, hey... If you are living for the truth, if he, he's telling them, if you are on the right with the Lord, then I can't do anything about it. But if you are not doing, if you are not right with the Lord, then I can't help it but to be with the truth, but to tell you the truth. It's the same if you are discipling someone. If you are a part of a discipleship and you're the one who knows that your brother or your sister is, is straying away from the truth, if they are straying away from the truth, you have the responsibility to lay it down on them according to God's word. It's just the same thing as Paul is saying. They cannot help it. Paul and his team cannot help it. If you are wrong, they will tell you you're wrong. But if you are right, then that's good. They're, it's, they're, it's better for them. Isn't it better for us to know that no, everybody is in the right with the Lord? Because it, it gives you that burden. It should give you that burden. If you know your brother or your sister is falling and you don't say anything, you should be burdened because that's wrong. It says in James, for he who knows the truth and does not say it is sin. So it's the same thing. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Paul saying that he can only exercise a apostolic authority only in a way that supports the truth same thing here at this church all the leaders all the elders can only be supported by the truth of god if we're going to be standing on the on the bylaws more than we're going to stand on on god's word then we're we're wrong right away it has to be a we, we should be standing on god's word and same with paul Paul knew that he is powerless against the truth. What is the truth? The will of God. And he knows it from his experience on the Damascus Road. Do you remember that? No? Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. 
I'll give you one clue where Acts is. It's in the New Testament. <laughs> Acts chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. See, Saul... Paul, before Christ, was Saul, had plans. He had plans. His will was to persecute all the believers of Jesus Christ because he strongly believed that they were wrong. And he was very, very vigilant of his faith. He was a Pharisee. So he was all about killing and persecuting the believers. But he knew that if he... That from his experience from that, he knew that he can't stand against the truth. There's nothing that he could do against God's will. God's will was to save the world. Amen? God's will was to save the world through Jesus. And Paul was stopping that. Or Saul tried to stop that. But then what happened? He was blind for three days. And then he's been suffering for the Lord. He suffered for the Lord all throughout his life. As Jesus, as God said he will. Because he knew he can't stand against the truth. The problem for most of us believers is, we know the truth, but we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. We don't want to surrender to God's truth. We keep saying, we keep asking, we're pretending, oh no, if it's God's will. We're so good at that. I don't know, if it's God's will, then yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, Sure. You already know it's God's will. You just want to delay it. You want to continue to delay it. You want to continue to argue. You want to continue to procrastinate. You want to continue to justify. Or, like a brother of mine said, I kept looking for a loophole, but I couldn't find it. Sometimes that's what we, what we do, correct? You hear something, I say something, or you heard something that's wrong and you're actually practicing that. Let's say, you know, sexual immorality. Let's say you're, you're living with a part with someone and you're not married with them. And you know you're committing sexual immorality and you heard it in a message. And now you're looking. You're looking. Oh, is this, you know, I mean, this is 2018. Do we really need to get married, Lord? I mean, gosh, it's weird now to get married. Right? We look. We look. We try to justify it. And then we get in trouble. But still, we're still looking. They say... The, the command, do not yoke with unbelievers. There we go. We go again. Oh, you know, how about if I share the gospel to him or to her, right? We try to justify it, although we already know what God's will is, and then we get in trouble, and then we say, well, I don't know why this is happening, Lord. <laughs> well, it's because you stood against. This is what happens when we deny God's will. My second point is denying God's will is actually sin. And with sin comes trouble. 
Look at Genesis. 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 Go to Genesis chapter 16. <laughs> Tao lang. Filipino kasi, okay? English is my second language, so I have that accent. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. How convenient for Abram, right? There's no argument. Oh, uh, you know, if you say so. <laughs> what in the world? This is uh, 10 years after the promise was made that Abram was going to become the father of many nations. So Sarai heard that and she knew about it, but she was still barren 10 years later. So she has this big idea. She heard of God's will, but she was now impatient. Does that sound familiar? That sounds so familiar. That's like me. Well, Lord, you said you were going to give me this. I just found out a better idea for me to get it now. Right? Isn't that how we get in trouble? Because we know of God's will. He laid it down to us. It's so clear like day. But then we, we put some smoke, like their city now, full of smoke. You know, smoke screen. That's why I love, the other part that I love ninjas, you know, when they used to do that smoke, and then all of a sudden they'll disappear. Because the smoke becomes a, a, a smoke screen, correct? People are looking at the smoke, and you're forgetting. That's what sin is. It's a smoke. It's smoke for God's perfect picture for you. You're actually bothering God's perfect picture for your life. Because you want it your own way, comes smoke now, now trouble. Now you can't see the entire picture. You can't see God's will for you. Because you forced it. Lord, you said that you bless your believers, you bless your people. I've been obedient to you, Lord. I've been giving offerings, Lord, faithful. I've been faithful to the prayer meetings and the Bible studies, Lord God. And Lord, I'm praying for 8, 16, 35, 42. It's a lottery ticket. You're praying for your lottery ticket because now you're asking God, the Lord, this is how you're going to bless me. Make me a millionaire. And then you have blessed your person through me. You see this? We all knew how this turned out, right? We all knew how this turned out. Please read. Let's go to... Chapter 16, just so we will see it. See, I told you guys to grab a Bible. <laughs> Genesis chapter 16. So Abram agreed to Sarai, said, from verse 2, Verse 3 says, So Abram had been living in Canaan ten years. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Gosh, it's just like the sin. It's just like the sin in the garden, right? It was somebody else's idea, then all of a sudden it's everybody's fault, correct? Right? Isn't that, does that sound familiar again? God tells you not to do it, then you did it, and then it's God's fault. 
in the words of Jimmy Santos, I told you not to, but you too. Now look at. <laughs> Wrong grammar. <laughs> All right? We, God tells us not to do certain things. It's so clear, but we choose to do it. We continue to do certain things. And then we blame him. Or we blame someone else. Just like Sarai here. It was her idea. Abram, of course, is part of the problem there. <laughs> it was so convenient for him. Oh, this is like a great idea. Right? So now, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Just like the fall in the garden, there is always someone. Another person caused another person to fall. We have, this is the note for us, we have to watch our decisions, believers, because we could cause someone to stumble. We have to watch our decision. We could cause for parents, if we make wrong decisions right now, it can cause our children to suffer based on our wrong decisions. This right here caused the Ishmael, the Ishmael was the baby, correct? Ishmael was the baby that was conceived by this mistake. And up to now, the Christian world suffers from the offspring of Ishmael. Ishmael is the forefather of the Muslim world. So if you're thinking, well, you know, small decisions not going to be a big deal. I'm no Abram. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not. But the impact of your sin, you don't know how much it could affect you and the next generation or the people that are watching you. The people that are watching you. If you don't have children, people are watching you. Especially if they know you're a believer. I saw somebody, I was lined up at a buffet. Again, at the buffet. I was lined up at the buffet at Harris. Okay, so I was at the buffet. Somebody tells you, I saw your pastor at Harris. It was for the buffet. I was told about somebody that they know that I know that's a believer that he saw playing at the slots at a, I think it was GSR. Oh, yeah, I saw this guy, blah, blah, blah. And he said, Shh, don't say anything, okay? So I'm like, oh. And I'm trying to invite this guy to church, right? This guy. So I know that the person he told me is a believer. I know he's not, he didn't lose his salvation for putting, you know, I don't know how many dollars in that slot machine. But I was thinking this. That's simple mistake. I'll, I'll call it simple. Okay? That simple mistake from this brother prevents from this guy from believing that what we have is true. Do we agree? Now, is it his fault? Probably. It is his fault because the truth doesn't rely on certain people. The truth is on Jesus. And if you don't even want to hear it, then that's your problem. But can we blame him? The answer is no, you can't blame him because we can't blame the world because they don't know any better. If we carry the name tag, if we carry the citizenship, we are responsible for it. Do we agree? If you're carrying a citizenship for American citizenship, do you have certain responsibilities to carry through? It doesn't matter if you don't know it. You have responsibilities and the country expects you to perform and to obey and to comply. It's the same thing with our faith. See? 
Sarai had a great idea, and that great idea up to now we're suffering from it. So denying God's will equals sin and equals trouble. Abram also knew. He also knew that God promised him that he will be the father of many nations. Why then now he took it upon his hands, in his own hands, to carry God's will? That's our mistake most of the time. We force the issue. We force it. We deny God's will, and then we force it on how we see it should be, how it should be. That's what happens. <coughs> Next point. Denying God's will still. Romans 1.18. God's wrath against sinful humanity. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. See, if you're going to deny God's truth, if you're going to deny God's will, it's because you have something in mind already. You have that desire already that is against God's will. That's where you're going to push it. You're going to delay God's will or you're going to suppress it or hide it, put it away because you're going to push what you want. You already have what you want. And anything that is against God's will is sin. Make no mistake about it. You're committing sin. We're committing sin. Anything that is against God's will is sin. Can we just admit that part? I know we can't force each other how we, sh we should walk with the Lord. We could just, you know, empower or encourage each other and pray for each other. But can we all at least know what sin is when it's there? Can we all at least admit that we're committing sin when we're doing it? Can we stop playing around with the truth? At least let's admit that, okay, I'm going to commit sin because I'm going to deny what God wants for me. So I'm going to sin right now and force my way. My will. Just realized that song, My Way. <laughs> no wonder people get shot when they sing that in the Philippines. <laughs> I'm kidding. My way, right? My way or the highway. Every time you deny God's will, you're sinning. Therefore, see, if you're going to continue to force your will, if you're going to continue to sin, if you're going to continue to just bully your way in there against the will of God, this is what God's going to do. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Would exchange the truth. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served created things. Rather than the creator who is forever praised. Now, believer, I want us to know this. Sometimes we've done this. Most, you know, most of us have done this. We've enjoyed the blessing more than the blesser. We continue to pray for the blessing and continue to ne neglect the blesser. We use God as a genie. Right? In order to get what we want in this life, in order to satisfy our desires and our cravings, our lust, when we just use God as an ATM machine. 
pray that we continue to realize this. As we realize it, we will not continue that lifestyle. And finally submit to God's will and to his truth. That's been Paul's letter. His continuous letter. The things that he's been telling the Corinthian church. Obey God. Leave your sinful ways. Obey God. Forget about your lustful desires. Obey God. Don't think about yourself. Obey God. That's what Christianity is most. That's, that's what Christianity is about. Denying ourselves. Amen? If any of you wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23 But we've changed our faith. We change our relationship with the Lord. We just use God as somebody that we can get stuff from. So I pray that as we deny God's will, we know that we're sinning, and then when we're sinning, trouble will come. Do we agree? God gives us all these warnings. That we should not... I, this is, I see here too that God's, God's jealousy... God's jealousy here. Because he wants all of us, not some of us, not a little bit of us. He wants all of us. So if we're going to be worshiping the created things that he has given us, it could be your spouse, it could be your children, it could be your retirement, it could be something else. It could be anything else other than him. And he sees that. And he's jealous of it. So if we're going to go against God's will, we're sinning and trouble comes. Second point, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 9 to 10. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. See, this is Paul saying, what Paul is saying here is like, listen, if you guys are right with the Lord, he's telling the Corinthian church, then we're weak. We don't have to tell you anything. We're, we're going to just be ourselves. We're not going to enforce anything upon you. Is that, that means you are strong in the faith. For when we are weak, you are strong. Right? There's no need to impose anything. And that's what he's saying. And he has said this in his other letters too. Right? For when we are weak, you are strong. See, this is what we're trying to go after. In, in this church, from our founding pastor, and I'm, I don't think we need to change it, is that we want strong believers. We want to help you become a strong, mature believer in the faith. That's the goal. We're not just trying to add numbers to the body or fill in the, the empty seats. That's not what we're after. What we're after is for your spiritual health, for your spiritual maturity. Because that's the goal. And that's what Paul that's what Paul and his team wanted in the first place. For the Corinthian church to improve in the faith, to be strong in the faith, to mature in the faith. And this is also, we pray, that you may be made complete. See, prayer is needed. The completion is like restoration or completion or strong or maturity. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. See, again, he's saying here, this is expressed here, that if you are doing right, everything right in the Lord, then I don't need to be sharp 
with my words. And I don't need to impose discipline or apply discipline. We will just continue. But then if I have to, it is for your edification. It is for your improvement. It is for your growth. It is to help us. Again, for us who are parents here, when we discipline our children, when we tell them that they're doing something wrong, it's not because we want to destroy them, right? It's not because we just want to... Isn't that the thing? <laughs> right? We want to just help them mature and be smarter and not get in trouble. It's not to ruin them. Although some of us, some of us, we get too much, right? Because of our emotions. We get way too much and we ruin the, the, ch the child's spirit. So there's also a reminder for us to not discipline when we're mad, but discipline where, where there's no longer um, emotions. And we're right in our mind. So, but this is Paul. This is what he is telling. This is what he told the Corinthian church. Because this is the main purpose why he was writing this letter. Was so that they will correct their mistakes. So that when he comes visit them, he doesn't have to discipline them. But I want us to focus on the prayer on this part. Pray for each other. I know we've discussed this before, but every time I see the word pray, as Paul keeps saying, I'm praying for you, we should be aware that we need to pray for each other. Amen? Okay, three Amen. people, maybe three, four. All right, that's all right. Maybe next week. Pray in the Spirit at all times. At all times. Not just at bad times. You know, the prayer group grew during the division. <laughs> That's the funniest thing for me. Funny, I say, because I'm being sarcastic. Funny, because that, group, that room there was filled with people when the division hit the church. But now everything's good. Everything's, you know, everything's happy. No more prayer warriors. Prayer warriors are like, you know, we're falling off. No more prayer needed. I guess we're okay. So I guess we should change this to pray in the Spirit at bad times. Right? Look, watch yourself. Think about yourself on how you approach praying for each other uh, verse. Think about it. Okay, when do I pray? And to, to whom do I pray for? How often do I pray? Because here, this is what Paul said. Pray in the Spirit at all times. With every kind of prayer and petition. To this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. In all your prayers, persevere in your prayers, not on your Facebook post. Some of you guys are praying on your Facebook post. I don't know why. Why do I need to see your prayer on the Facebook post? You know, the, the verse says when you pray, you lock the, your, the door behind you. <laughs> right? So why are we showing our prayer on, on, on Facebook? Oh, it's to evangelize. But if, if it's your prayer for God, why is that, how is that evangelizing? Prayer in private, also there's prayer in concert, correct? In front of people. But on Facebook, or social media, let's just say, because Facebook might be gone in a few years, right? The point is we need to be Persevering in our prayers at all times. Pray in the Spirit 
at all times. In the Spirit. Meaning asking God first to lead you even to what to ask for. So that our selfish prayers will be removed. Because if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of selfishness that's still in there. Correct? There's still going to be a lot of things that you're going to ask for that's probably not good for you. That's why the prayer, prayer in the Spirit at all times. Prayer in the Spirit, with every kind of prayer and petition, to this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints, for all our prayer, our, all, all the believers, our fellow believers. I know most of you, you probably pray more for your, your unbelieving friends, which is good, so that they will accept, right? will accept the Lord, open the eyes of their hearts, so that they will accept them. But at the same time, we need to be praying for each other because one of us, if one of us fall, it's to the shame of our Lord and to all of us too. We get hurt too. We get affected. So why are we quick to, why are we not quick to pray for each other? Praying for each other is important. Praying for yourself is important, but praying for each other is what we're talking about tonight. Third point, maturity. If we all become spiritually mature, we will be united and God's love and His peace will be with us. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Again, there. Again, Paul again is saying, listen, this is the point of why we're doing what we're doing. So that you will be complete in our faith. So you will be mature in our faith. So that when you're mature, your chances of falling, hopefully, if you're not going to be a bonehead, is slim. Correct? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but you know, the hardest thing is, the more you know, the more scared you get. Do we agree, Brother Richard? <laughs> the more you know of God, the more I know of God and His will and His ways, the more I see myself as I'm like, oh, golly, Lord, help me. Because I see how narrow that road is. I see how narrow, I see how slim that road is for me. I see, how, I see His greatness. I see his, the vast, vastness of His love. And I see my, my failures. I see that no matter how hard I try, I'll probably fall if God doesn't help me not to fall. So that's why when our goal is so that we become complete, to at least realize and know that as we mature, we will know more of God and we will depend on Him. The point is, as you mature in the faith, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be surrendered to God. Because you're going to realize that this life is impossible. This Christian life is impossible. So you're just going to be fully, completely surrendered to Him. Because you're going to say, Lord, not I, but Christ who lives in me. I can't do this, Lord. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Your surrender. Because the one thing that we hate to as human beings is that word surrender. The world told us not to surrender. Remember that song? Never surrender, right? It used to pump me up too. Never surrender, right? The action movies, you know those, those uh, heroes, when they, they're just one versus 20, 
And usually the one still wins. It's a Filipino movie. He, he never runs out of bullets, you know. He'll win against like an army, you know. Those are the things that like amazes us. Man, that guy didn't give up. He didn't surrender. But Christianity tells us, surrender. Give up your will. You, we don't like this word too. You can't do it. Because we keep telling ourselves, we can. Yeah, I can. And God says, you can't. Give it to me. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. See, believers, we should be of good comfort. Are you that type of believer where people come see you and then you just knock them while they're down? <laughs> or you're like thinking because you have the sin of gossiping, you're like, you can't wait to like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell somebody this. <laughs> right? Or are you that person you're like, come, just tell me, let me pray for you. You're going to listen. You're going to comfort them. Because if, you have, if, really, if you're relying on the Holy Spirit, you're going to just, that's your byproduct. It's going to come out of you naturally. You don't even have to make it. You don't even have to think about it. You're going to be very comforting to someone who's hurting. That should be how our church is. Right? When somebody comes here, we should be to each other of good comfort. Not of judgmental looks. Right? Or like, oh, I can't wait to see when he falls. Somebody told me that when I finally took the calling again, the third time or the fourth time, I forgot. I quit so many times. <laughs> this person told me, oh, I, oh, I wonder how long you're going to fall this time. Such a good comforter, right? <laughs> be of one mind. We should be of one mind. But whose mind? Christ's mind. We should be... We're not, good, we're not asking... For all of us to agree all the time. But if we have a disagreement, we should be disagreeing with love. Amen? Because we're trying to see, okay, is this God's will for you? Is this God's will for us as a church? We should be doing it out of love. Out of our love for God, we'll be loving for each other. But it doesn't mean we're always going to be in agreement. We have to live in peace. We can't be the people that are always in a fight. Fight mode. The grumpy believer. Are you that? Who here is the grumpy believer that nobody wants to talk to? <laughs> we should be, right? If we have Christ in us, we should be overflowing with His love. Do we agree? I get it. It doesn't happen every day because, what? Sometimes we, just, we are just having a bad day. On the way to church, our dog was bugging us. You kick the dog. Right? And you feel terrible after kicking the dog. You get in your car, somebody cuts you, and then, you know, you told him he's number one. And you're like, man, should I even go to church? I kicked the dog now, I just told somebody he's number one. And then you're driving, you're driving, so you're dragging, so then you get here, you're grumpy. How you doing? <laughs> Praise God you're here. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> right? I get it. There are days that we... Get to that point. So the people, the other people with good comfort spirit, right? If you notice that, you should be of good comfort to them. You should be of good comfort to them. 
We should live in peace. If it were up to you, if it were up to us, we should be living in peace. Again, not everybody's going to be wanting peace, but if it were up to you, if it's your decision to make war or peace, choose peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. You see here, in Psalm 133.1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Because if we're united, look at what Jesus said. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Right? If we have love for one another, we're united and it's a great testimony for Jesus. Amen? Amen. I was in a party yesterday. I was in a party yesterday, and they asked me, this person asked me, so when were you, you know, when did you, where were you, uh, her question was, since when were you a Christ follower? Okay, this person asked me that. I knew that was a trouble question for me, because she's, she, I was already a believer, but I was still living my sinful ways. So I said, well, you, when you met me, I was already a Christ follower, but I wasn't really living my life for him. Then she goes, so when did you finally accept to live for him? So she, or she, she was probably waiting for a date, but I gave her my entire testimony all the way back in 2014. So I knew she was just already itching to like get out of that conversation. <laughs> 30 minutes later. So like, I'm sorry, I know you were looking for a date, but I have to tell you everything from the back, right? We have to know that, where was I? What was my point? <laughs> no, the, the testimony is, the testimony is that after knowing that I am a, a pastor now, she, she knows that I'm a pastor of this church. The catch is they know about the division. The husband then asked me, so are you and Richard now talking? All right. Are you and Richard now talking? I almost asked him, Fenimore? <laughs> I just texted him. <laughs> I almost did, but you, they won't get the joke. So. <laughs> I'm like, not yet. That was my answer. Not yet. She goes, oh. He goes, not yet, huh? And then the wife goes, his answer is not yet, so that means they will. That's the only cover that I have for that question. But I know what, what it looks like. It's a bad testimony, isn't it? There's no turning back from it. I'm part of it. Goodness, I'm part of that. But it's okay, right? Because even with that, God can do something with it. Amen? There's no, there's no need to deny it. If you've, been, if you've been a believer for many years, divisions happen. Just ask Ate Dulce. <laughs> She'll testify to it. She kind of affirmed me when she goes, oh, it's a normal thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, praise God. And Ate Ella and Ate Estrella said, oh, you know, Baptist church, I always divide. <laughs> You know, it's true. It's a bad testimony. Because why? Because that's when we try to break God's will and do our own will. When we want it our way and not God's way, trouble comes and the testimony for many years will be there. Good or bad. Good or bad. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love, for one another. 
I pray that as we are united because of our love for God, we have to be aware always that people are watching us. Not for our sake, but for God's sake. Amen? I have this one here. Believers, beware. Believer, beware. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions. Since I brought up the division, I want us to talk about this one. Watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. So, again, if you know of somebody who divided the church before and you're still hanging out with them, look at this verse and then talk to me after. Because it's very, very clear. He says, keep away from them. Is that, is that clear? Should we translate that in Tagalog for some of us? Yes. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. That's why our, our hope, our goal here is, as we continue to teach you the truth of God, you mature. And you won't be part of that naive people. Because you know your doctrines. And the Spirit of God is on you. And you're connected with Him. And you have the discerning spirit. You have the discernment. And you're going to know, nope, God doesn't want me here. I don't even have, I don't even have to talk to this person. Right? Okay, again, is it all about love? We were attracted to God in Christianity because of God's love. We are staying in our faith. We are going to continue and remain in God's, it, with God is because of His love. Yes. But in regards to our relationship with others, if you're going to misunderstand or, or misuse the word love to where you're going to tolerate, you're going to continue to, even though you know it's wrong, and it's against God's will that you continue to hang out with them? So, believer, beware. Because we were talking about unity, and behind unity is division, correct? So, it can happen, so we have to be aware of it. We need to be able to identify who it is, and we need to separate ourselves, ourselves from them. And they usually smooth, are smooth talkers and flatterers. No name dropping here, okay? Just read this, pray about it, and know it. In conclusion, in conclusion, Paul, he wrote the book of Romans when he was in Corinth on his last visit, which is after writing the Second Corinthians uh, letter. So now he, this is what he said. Now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. Basically telling everybody that the Corinthian church turned. They turned around. If you're asking yourself, did the Corinthian church respond positively to Paul's warnings? The answer is yes. Paul had conditioned the expansion of his ministry in other areas on the problems in Corinth being resolved. After it was resolved, then he was able to again do more work for God in other areas. He followed the writing, 
of this letter with a visit of three months during which time he wrote the letter to the Romans. And this is what he wrote. There is no more place for me to work in these regions. His appeal was heeded by the Corinthian church. The Corinthians were now obedient. Amen? They obeyed. They heeded to God's word through Paul. Living in God's will is obedience to his will. Now how will you know about his will if you are not studying your word? How will you expect to be victorious of, for him to continue to be obedient for him and to do his will if you are not prayerful? How do you expect others to continue to fight this impossible fight, to continue to live this impossible life if you are not praying for them? We have to stop struggling with the Lord. The struggle is this. We want our will, not His will. That's where the struggle happens. When we want it our way, not His way. This is how we waste our life. When we live it for ourselves, not for Him. We have to be able to say, just like Paul said, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. It's been said that Christians are not afraid of dying because we know we go straight to heaven. But we are afraid of living because we don't want to surrender our will to God. I pray that tonight, as we heard all these words from God, as we realize our mistakes and our failures, as you realize your, your victory and your consistency with Him, and your intimacy with Him is, is leading you to the right direction, I pray that you continue to do so for those of you who are victorious or doing the right thing. But I pray for those who have been failing, I pray that you will just surrender to God and live for Him, not for ourselves. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for this study of the Second Corinthians, Lord God, for this gift, Lord. Father, there's been a lot of um, truth, Lord, that's been hard to swallow for many of us, including myself. Father, I pray, Father God, that you um, just continue to give us the wisdom that we need in order for us to live this life that you have given us. I pray that we will see our life as a privilege, Lord, to live it for you, to glorify you, and to magnify you. Not to enrich ourselves, Lord God, in the worldly standards, but to enrich ourselves in the spiritual realm, Lord God. To be used by you, to bring people to you, to not be a stumbling block, but a stepping stone to you, Father, for you, Father God. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we've failed. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've struggled because we want our way, not yours. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins that's, that continues to stop us from growing and becoming more intimate with you. Father, bless my brothers and my sisters who continue to do the impossible, to for them to continue to surrender their will to you in order to glorify you in, with their life. Father God, I pray that you bless them. I pray, Father God, for that person that still has to surrender their life to you tonight. Lord, I pray that... Um, it will just yield to your nudge and to your moving.
Father, may you bless everyone that's here tonight who made that sacrifice and that had the desire to praise and worship you in this hour that you've appointed us to do it. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.